0: It's Friday, February 18th, and you're listening to Insight by Spectacles. Today, the disease of medical lobbying. America doesn't have enough doctors, but it doesn't do us any good to point and stare without getting to the root of the problem. Just the other day, Derek Thompson published a piece in The Atlantic titled Why America Has So Few Doctors. While the piece is generally quite good, I've got a couple problems with it. The first is that I was planning on writing an inside explainer about this exact topic, but now my thunder is stolen. Not cool, Derek. The second and more important issue is that Derek wrongheadedly seems to ignore a critical lesson about democratic functioning. Before I get into that, however, I'll quickly go through the explainer portion of this subject, why America has so few doctors. To that end, it's important to first note that we do, in fact, have a problem of doctor scarcity. Less than half as many per capita as Austria and 40% fewer than Spain, to name a couple. We lose twice as many expected life years than the Spanish. When you're trying to explain low supply of any kind of manufactured good— you take a look up and down the production process to identify bottlenecks, where something's slowing production down. In the case of doctors, the most serious bottleneck is the quality control department, residency limits. The number of spots available for medical school grads to complete their training in hospitals is woefully low, thanks essentially to an act of Congress from 1997 which set the low ceiling. If you want more detail, you can read Derek's much longer explanation, but I'd warn you to be wary of the piece's conclusion. In it, Derek seemingly uncritically presents two potential quote-unquote downsides to increasing the supply of doctors. Student debt no longer covered by falling wages and lower quality medical care. Whenever taking a look at a big problem and offering a seemingly simple solution, as Derek has, One must either admit that there's a catch or risk being seen as a starry-eyed fool. But pointing out these downsides to the solution is the wrong way to admit to a catch. First of all, the downsides aren't as drastic as they seem. If medical wages fall, presumably fewer people will enter med school, forcing schools to cut tuition costs. But insofar as the student debt challenge is more complicated, Harry and I discussed that in more depth in our Reflection podcast linked in the show notes. On the other hand, lower quality care shouldn't be a concern because high quality care is of little use when it's so scarce that people can't actually access it. Instead, it demonstrates greater nuance and is a better service to readers to admit that the catch is that this may be a simple solution but not one easy to implement. Bills have been floated to do what Derek recommends, but they inevitably fade into obscurity. The reason for that is the same as for Congress's original 1997 restrictions, a very strong medical lobby which has the sole priority of maintaining and raising wages for doctors. Scarcity, it turns out, is one hell of a drug for the profiteers. The big lesson here is not one of how policies have upsides and downsides, but one of how our democracy and the interest groups within it shape policy and our world. It's nice to suggest that policy should change, but we also need to consider the environment in which that would take place. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter or TikTok, or subscribe to our email newsletter. Got thoughts? Leave a comment on spectacles.news. If you'd like to hear more conversational podcasts, or if you'd like to listen to a conversation between the editors about this article, check out Spectacles in Conversation. Links for everything in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in.